right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world, doesn't matter who you are, what your walk of life, will come someday be faced with a situation, it could be business, it could be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood. And the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us a lot of times, they're not just salespeople. There are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to, and I'm going to share their stories so that we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills better, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, so another episode, and I am so excited. This is going to be an episode with a non-traditional salesperson, probably someone you think is far removed or far away from what you would think of as a salesperson, but I want her to tell her story just because I think there's so many things about what she does where she is tasked with really creating genuine human connection and just being a great human and using that to be able to get people to listen to her, to get people to be drawn to her. And I'm just curious about you know having her share her human skills. So that's why I brought her on. The person that you're going to meet today she is a nurse, all right? So this is exciting. Our first nurse on this podcast. Um, she works for a healthcare system in Pennsylvania. She happens to be married to my brother-in-law, so I guess that makes her my sister-in-law. And something fun about her is, you know, back when Pokemon Go was a thing, she would put little kids to shame with her ability to, you know, uh, just be good at that game. But I'm excited to welcome her on. Please give it a round up and welcome Stephanie Kirshner to the podcast. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me. <laughs> awesome. 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 Thank you for coming on. This is going to be so fun. I think, yeah, first of all, some people are probably like, nurses definitely don't sell. <laughs> Alex, I don't see what you're, you're getting at here. But that's the name of this podcast, Selling by Being Human, you know, the, the stories of selling human. And I think you're a great one, someone who's a great human, and we have conversations. And I think having conversations, I noticed things that you would say to me where there's situations at your work where you're really trying to get to understand people, get to make that human connection. And you know, first of all, I have to be a great human and thank you for working right now. We should all thank nurses because we're sitting here in, I don't know what day it is, day 20 something of the coronavirus and you are showing up every day being a great human just by showing up to work and putting yourself in a, you know, a situation where it could, you know, be threatening to you just by being in work because there are people in your hospital that have coronavirus and you're going anyways to protect us all. So thank you. So I just let us get to know you. My first question, I'm going to start this off and kind of, you know, have this podcast in three parts. So the first is going to get to know you, who's the great human we get to talk to, what you care most about, what you value. The second part, we'll talk about how I think what you do is, you know, can help salespeople, non-salespeople, whenever they need to get people to listen to them, to really connect to, to others and, and convince them. And then we'll kind of end up and close on some fun stuff. All right. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. So first off, you know, tell us about you. Who is 
Stephanie, what do you care most about? How do you spend your time in your day-to-day, in your work, being a great human? Okay. So first and foremost, I kind of think of myself as a military brat. So my dad was in the military, so I moved around a lot. So learning how to be kind of flexible, adapting to new environments, making friends is just something that has always been very normal to me. The idea of growing up in one place and staying there and like knowing people from like baby to like adults is just a theory I can't really wrap my head around. But I think that as a foundation of how I grew up really has served me very well and does eventually lead into what I think my skill set that helps me with nursing. It's I can usually take an interaction with a patient and it's just about finding commonalities or something in them that they want to talk about, something that they need to tell, something that they need someone to listen to. And once you can find that connection, that really is just your golden ticket to really improving their experience with you. So I think the military moving a lot background really defines me a lot, surprisingly. But I'm a person who took a while to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. And it was kind of an evolving process. So I, from a very young age, thought that I always wanted to be a teacher who worked with children with special needs. So that's what I originally went to school for. And I even got into my senior year and then went, hmm, maybe the classroom isn't the right spot for me. I love working with this population, but like maybe the classroom just isn't quite where my fit is. From there, I went and worked in an assisted living facility with patients who had dementia and just absolutely fell in love. And it reminded me a lot of what I love so much about special ed, which is really finding a person, learning what their needs are, and then just accommodating and modifying everything to meet their needs, not my needs, their needs. So that's what actually led me into nursing. And so now I work in an interventional radiology unit. So we do a lot of different specialty procedures, minimally invasive, and I really love that. Before that, I was a trauma ICU nurse. So I've had a little bit of an interesting journey as far as employment goes. Let's see. I am really big into just trying to find out ways to make people feel heard and, you know, kind of the whole point of your podcast, like people want to be heard, they want to be seen, they want to know that they matter. So even outside of work, I try to find little ways that I can let somebody know that like, hey, I see you, I see how hard you're working, it matters, you know, like just bringing those things forward. So that's really important to me. I'm also a mom, I have two kids. So when I'm not working, that's a lot of my time. (laughs) All right. So Steph, what you just said, one of the most, what I heard and probably one of the most impactful things that I think you said was your approach is really about, you know, understanding what patients need. It's all about what they want, what they need. It's not about kind of what you think that they want or what you think they need. You're genuinely just trying to learn about them. And so I think that's so important. So what do you call upon? What do you think I guess my question is, what are some just soft skills do you think that you're good at that you call upon when you're, you know, dealing with patients? And what do you think are the most important things for all nurses? But what are, what are your, the things that you call upon, soft skills to really kind of understand what they need? 
I think the biggest one is just empathy, like understanding and trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand where they're coming from. I think that is probably the biggest thing that you can do to try to meet somebody at where they are, but also just listening, you know, people in general, not even just patients, but people in general will almost always tell you what they need. You just have to be listening. It's really that simple. (laughs) (laughs) It is so funny because I mean, I've had a lot of guests say very similar things like, and I'm going to have future guests talk about listening and empathy and all that stuff. And you know, it's, it's great. That's why I want to start this and dig into it. Cause you know, salespeople will always say, yeah, you know, if, yes, of course, you know, you got to look at the world from their perspective or their shoes. I've heard, you know, empathy kind of described two different ways. Some people say it's not always just, you know, putting yourself in someone's shoes. It's, it's looking at the world from their perspective, like really like seeing the world from their worldview and not just saying, okay, if I were them, this is what I would want to do. It's not about you whatsoever. It's really deeply trying to get and understand them. So I know, you know, with nursing, you know, sometimes, yeah, when you say people will almost always tell you what they need, you know, in that setting, do you think that there are situations where people don't want to initially tell you what they need because they're maybe afraid or they just, they have some prejudice, maybe they have some predetermined notion about what who you are, what you're going to do. I mean, I imagine everyone in the hospital isn't happy to be in the hospital. So you have to get no over it. No one is. No one is. No, so one. You have to, no one wants to be there. No one likes to be there. So like, you know, yeah. So I do agree with you that people will tell you what they need, but they may not always, you know, know themselves or know what they need. So they're kind of looking to you for that. So yeah, maybe we could talk about your work a little bit. Like, can you think of some like examples where maybe someone maybe didn't start out wanting to give you what, like maybe didn't want to, you know, maybe wasn't all like happy to you in the beginning, but then they, they warmed up to you because of what you did. And it doesn't have to be a certain, like, I know you can't share confidential patient information, but just kind of like a general kind of, you know, kind of story to maybe put it into context for everybody. So one of the biggest roadblocks I personally hit is people see me and assume that I'm significantly younger than I am. Um, (laughs) All the baby face. (laughs) Yes. So, you know, I am turning 33 in May, but like I, a lot of people assume that I am in my early twenties, fresh out of nursing school. Now I'm, I am not an experienced nurse by any means. I, I'm only going on my third year, so I'm still a very, very new nurse, but I do have a lot of other experiences that do play into how I try to interact with my patients, but age is a huge barrier. People, oh, when they think they're young, that is like, and they, they'll they tell you mm. right away. I know exactly yeah. where they're oh. going with the conversation. <laughs> I, I need know. to see someone else. Give me someone else. <laughs> yeah, they want somebody older, more experienced, and so like there are subtle ways to kind of gear that conversation. (laughs) Usually when you start to mention that you have kids, people start to try to do the calculations Mm -hmm. in their head. (laughs) If if you're talking about a kid who's kindergarten aged and those sort of things, they're like, oh, well, maybe she's a little bit older than I thought. And, you know, so like there are playful ways to kind of play with that where, you know, Mm. and they'll say, you know, you can't even be blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I am turning 33 this year. And then 
that even just the age gives such a vote of confidence yeah. um, for a lot of people. So that's that is definitely a huge barrier that I see a lot when I'm trying to like communicate with patients, trying to get them to give me a little bit more. You know, some people are just open books, and other people you gotta kind of try to pull it yeah. out to yeah. find out what they really need. But once I can kind of break down that age barrier usually then we can start really like, you know, maybe reminiscing about things. You know, I like a lot of old timey music. When I worked in the Alzheimer's and dementia unit, I watched a lot of old, like 40s and 50s musicals. So like, depending on their age group, we can talk about that. I really love Frank Sinatra, you know, like I can, uh, I can talk about those sort of things. So like, yeah, so like, you know, trying to find the things that make them comfortable. You know, we try to play mm. music in interventional radiology when they're having the mm. procedure because our mm. patients, unless it's an anesthesia case, they're not completely asleep. So, you know, finding, you know, does music make you calm? Is there a certain kind of music that helps you? Like just trying to pull out things that make it a little less sterile, a little less scary. But also most people just like to talk and a lot of the medications that we give to make them comfortable will make you kind of chatty. So as long as you can like kind of keep that going and try to find what they want to talk about, I found that a lot of patients maybe don't have people at home to talk to. You know, we do occasionally get patients who are homeless mm. or patients who live on their own and their kids live somewhere else and they don't have a big support system. So sometimes all they just want is someone to, again, see them, hear them, tell them that they're important. Yeah. It's awesome. You said a lot of good stuff there. I think, you know, one of the things, if you can kind of, you can relate, you can make people, you know, take down just the, the dynamic of, I don't want to be in the hospital. I'm afraid this is like you said, sterile. It's icky. It's, it's, you know, the food's not you know, great. It's I'm in it's jail. It's cold, <laughs> like all the negatives. And you just put it into this like one-on-one human connection. I'm just here to make you feel comfortable while I'm, my goal is to get you out of here. You know, I don't want yeah. you here any more than you want to be here. But no. you know, all they're thinking about is, oh, wow, this person's just here. You know, she's not just giving me medicine. She's giving me, she's making me feel better. She's making me feel just use the word comfortable. And I, I like that. Like it's, hey, I know this is going on. But I'm, you know, you're, what's the number one job of a nurse to heal and to get them on a, in a better track. So, you know, it, yeah, those are like anytime when you're in a situation where you're trying to convince someone of something, if you're, if you're taking away the dynamic of like salesperson, buyer, I'm here to get one over on you, you take away and it's just human beings talking with each other. And I'm, I'm genuinely here to help. I think that and know, sometimes that really changes honestly- things. And sometimes it's honestly just as easy as holding someone's hand. Like I can't tell you how many cases where we don't use any sort of medication to like make them comfortable. It's not necessary, but like literally just holding the patient's hand while they're having their procedure makes the biggest difference. And what a simple concept, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, yeah, it's just human connection. Like, I think we all want to like be hugging each other right now. We want to be, you know, just, you know, it's just simple touch, but like that's as much medicine as the actual medicine, right? You've probably yeah. seen it, like just holding someone's hand. 
looking at them in the eye, like smiling, just like they can feel that connection. You know, like you said, just playing music, you know, like it gets people to open up. It gets people to like, I don't know. Yeah. You're relating to them and they're drawn to you that way. Cause it's like, wow, this person's, this person cares about me. So let me talk a little bit about when the relationship between nurses and doctors, I think, you know, we talked a lot about nurses and patients, like what you do to kind of help convince people of help them convince themselves maybe that they're safe and that they're, they're, you know, being cared for. I imagine a lot of times you're, you know, you're on the front lines, you're seeing all the things that happen on a daily basis, you're trained in everything to protect, you know, a patient, keep patients safe, you have to go there and do rounds, right? And make sure you know, that your patient's doing well, and you're vital, checking vital signs and that sort of thing. And you get doctors that are kind of coming around every, you know, like once a day, maybe for 10 or 15 minutes and meeting with families and, and giving a course of treatment. And they're relying sometimes on, on nurses, but, you know, a doctor goes to school for 10, 15 years and, you know, nurses maybe four. And, you know, you, you talked in the beginning that they don't trust, you know, patients don't, there's that barrier of age. Well, with mm-hmm. doctors, I imagine maybe a barrier of experience. So how do you get doctors to trust you and to listen to you in certain situations what do you think is important for you know your approach when you're when you're talking with them it's just trying to talk to them like a colleague so the way that the structure of the hospital used to be was that providers so physicians doctors were kind of up at the top and then nurses were seen as you know, almost subordinates, right? Like, so the doctors gave orders, the nurses did orders, and there was no, like, collaboration happening. But these days, we do collaborative rounds. So, like, the doctors will round with the nurse who is actually physically taking care of that patient. Maybe there's a pharmacist there, too, case manager, PTOT, you know, whatever other services they try to do more collaborative rounds so that it's not necessarily just physician led, but everybody has a role in the plan that they make for that patient. So I think, especially when you're, if you're in a teaching hospital, those residents can rotate maybe more frequently than they would in a hospital that's not a teaching hospital. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to just establish a relationship of where I'm your peer, we both have things to bring to the table. Maybe you know something that I don't. Maybe I know something that you don't. But between the two of us, you know, hopefully we can make a plan that is the safest and the best for the patient to have the best outcome. But sometimes there, you need to be flexible. Like, you know, I have an idea, but maybe it's not the best. And I need to hear what the physician has to say. But also that can be vice versa. But like sometimes when you know that you know something, yeah. You have to be willing to stand up. You have to be willing to stand up for it. And that takes, yeah. you know, gaining that back that backbone is something that comes with experience and there's a humbleness that has to happen with that as well. So that's really an interesting dynamic, but I think that hospitals in general are really trying to encourage colleague level as opposed to a hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. I was, when I was thinking about talking to you, I was just kind of looking up like, what is the healthcare industry? How are they viewing the nursing profession? How is it changing? What's being taught? And I came across like papers about nurses being change agents. Like there's whole like healthcare articles and like research papers on this dynamic. 
I came across one. It was this woman, Anne Rafferty, in, in the UK, and she's like a professor of nursing policy. And it was all around, it was like the 70th anniversary of the national health system in the UK. And they were like looking back about how like nursing was viewed. And like you said, it's, it used to be this hierarchy, but it's like now it's, you know, you have to have skilled nurses at the front lines. There's growing evidence that, you know, if you put a well-educated nurse in front of the, like on the front lines and, and listen to them and get them to contribute to, you know, sometimes policies, sometimes courses of treatments, that there's evidence that that changes care you know, and that they they need to be listened. They're just as important. I mean, obviously you all have a role to play and doctors are extremely important, but so are, like you said, they're a peer and it's changing. Like there's a lot of evidence based around this concept that, you know, frontline nurses can actually change, you know, large things like healthcare policy and, and even, like you said, you know, courses of treatment or outcomes, right? Yeah, so a lot of hospitals are embracing a program called nurse residency. So when you're a brand new nurse, you have this program, and it's built to kind of mimic the way doctors do residency, but not quite. It's just, you know, an idea, but they have them do research projects. And that is part of nurse residency is they take some either it's a procedural thing or it's a policy and they look at it. They actually do the research. They do an experiment and they see like, can we change things? Can we make this better? Like how can we improve the way that we are taking care of our patients? And a lot of the policy changes that are happening in hospitals are a result of these experiments and these programs. And they're being taken to like national level conferences to be distributed among other hospital networks. So that is a huge thing that is happening right now in nurse. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I know you have some really cool things that you're doing that you were talking about. I'm, you know, I think one big part of being heard, you know, listened to and, and kind of drawn to is how you show up and what you care about most. And and really just kind of giving to others like, you know, nursing is, is really just a selfless profession. And it's, it's kind of, you know, I was hearing people talk about nurses and, you know, just friend conversations, like these nurses know that there's like coronavirus in their hospital. Why the hell are they going to like, why are they going to work? That's stupid. Like they should, you know, they have kids, like they shouldn't go to work, but you're thinking about, I mean, you're driven by a higher purpose, like, you know, than just it's a job. So there are millions of nurses like showing up, even though they have families, even though the most important thing should be their families, their immediate families, they're, they're like, well, these without them, like other families won't have families. So you're doing some cool things around just giving and being selfless. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing kind of on social media to help. So I probably like many people when the whole COVID pandemic really was starting you want to feel useful. And even outside of nursing and going to work, I wanted to feel like I had some sort of impact on other people who were also being selfless and giving and really putting themselves out there. So I had seen some nurses on the unit I used to work on were buying each other coffee when they were working. So nurse to nurse. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I was like, well, you know, what if we expanded this? What if we made it for healthcare workers? Because 
as much as like nurses are super important, doctors are super important, especially with COVID right now, respiratory therapists are like blowing minds. Like they're really the ones who are in the patient's space, putting themselves at risk, anesthesiologists too, because they're also, you know, typically intubating these patients. Mm. Um, mm. There's a lot of people who don't get the kind of acknowledgement to the general public who are playing huge roles in this pandemic. And, you know, we've got other professions too, obviously, grocery workers, you know, there are so many important people, but healthcare is kind of my, my sweet spot. So I decided I wanted to do something. So it was as little as buying people coffee. So I started this gratitude campaign. And I asked people to nominate healthcare workers. They could be anywhere in the country. They could have any sort of role in healthcare, from an administrative role all the way up to doctors, physicians, nurses, respiratory therapists, anesthesiologists. I have a case manager that we're going to nominate. So I asked people to do this, and it's nothing crazy. I send them $7, tell them thank you, and ask them to get a copy on me. And then I post it out on Facebook and Instagram. And then other people have joined in. And sometimes it's only a couple people. Sometimes it's a lot of people. But it's just a small way to show people, again, <laughs> that we see them, we hear them, and we appreciate them. So, Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Sometimes it's just th- literally like the thought. It is the thought that counts. Like seven bucks isn't a whole lot. It's not changing someone's life, but it, it can change. It can help get them through, right? Yeah. You know, it's. Sometimes you just need that one little moment in your day to really be like, okay, I can do this. Like you need those little moments. So that's what this is supposed to be. Just a little moment that gives you a little bit of joy where, you know, somebody else was thinking about you and appreciating what you do. So we're on day 15 and I have enough to go. I think right now I have to go to day 28. That's how how many nominations I have. I have a, I have a couple that I'm going to throw your way, but absolutely, 100%. And I encourage anybody that's listening to this to, we'll, we'll put some information in the show notes yeah. for, you know, to get in touch with her. But, you know, when you find something in your worst moment, you don't even know, probably like some of these nurses, you may not even know, you, you don't, you won't know them, but it'll come at a time when they're just like, so overworked, stressed, scared. And then all of a sudden it's like, man, someone's thinking about me. Like, I don't even know. Okay. I can do this. Yeah. Like that's the magic. So Awesome, awesome, awesome. And, you know, if that can't convince a healthcare worker that, you know, like that they matter, I don't know what will. So thank you for what you're doing. Okay, well, I learned so much, you know, just unique things that I think anybody can apply to their work. Some of the concepts you were talking about, you know, just kind of being a peer and helping, you know, patients feel comfortable getting over the barrier of kind of like, you know, age barriers and things like that. It's all stuff that applies throughout the workforce, and especially in sales, you have to change the dynamic, you have to kind of find ways to have empathy and practice it. It's not just, you know, oh, okay, yeah, of course, I I see there, you know, I want to put myself in their world. It's actually acting on it. And some of those things I definitely took away. So thank you very much for everything. I think they're really applicable. I like to end off on a fun thing. So because I think selling is human, and we're all unique in how we do it. There's not one right way. I want to learn something unique about you, every guest that I have on. So what is one thing or one situation 
maybe a situation you've put yourself in in your life or maybe something crazy unique about you that would only or could only happen to you. Oh, man. Hmm. That's my, a really interesting question. Think about it like my wife, she, and she'll kill me for saying this, definitely <laughs> af- afraid of pennies. So if she touches a penny, it is like, you know, like she just touched the coronavirus. It's so I definitely shouldn't bring a of bag of pennies. pennies next time I come no. to visit you guys. No, okay. No. <laughs> Something that I hmm. I know I'm how good you are at Pokemon. What is something that I could only hmm? Some weird thing That's that such you do. Such a good question. Alex, I feel let's, like I'm on a job interview. That's okay. Like no, it. no. Yeah, I don't want to stump you. So, you know, is there something so something unique about you? What's like something, you know, like food you like, you know, something weird that's like something hmm. weird. Yeah, I something played weird football about in high you. school. Yes. That's, that's something that would only ha- and could only happen to you. Yeah. I was so when I was a senior in high school, I was homecoming queen in my football uniform that at the game. Is, uh, that's a winner. I'll take it. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> you were at home. You were at homecoming in your uniform. Because you know they like bring homecoming the queen. Did you have? Did you wear a dress? And like, how does that look? Like the, no, the, so the, like, the shoulder you, pads you know, and a dress. <laughs> no, so like you know, on like the Friday night before homecoming, they bring yep. the court out onto the yep. field. Well, I was yep. playing, so okay, I just, okay, okay, you know, cool, all the cool, cool. like the girls had pretty dresses on, and I had to walk out with like I took that my helmet awesome. off, but like I had awesome. on like pads and like and the king <laughs> had his king. had his crown. Well, him and I both played football, so we were both actually oh. in our uniforms together. <laughs> I need to see this picture; it exists somewhere. I, I know it's crazy. <laughs> awesome. Well. Thank you very much for playing. And yeah, Steph, thank you so much for being a great human. Where can people find you if they want to connect to you, your you know, giving campaign, give a nurse a free cup of coffee? Where can they connect? Yeah. So I will have you post my Instagram account because every day I post it on there and each individual person, they give like a little blurb about them. So I'll say, this is Jane Doe. She is a respiratory therapist in Pennsylvania. She was nominated by this person. Here's her Venmo or PayPal account. Like, let's show her some love. So definitely post my Instagram account. That's probably the easiest way to find me. And then you can follow and people, I use either Venmo or PayPal mostly. So people can just reach out and show some love. And they just nominate a nurse and then... Yeah, and they can message me. Yeah, just if you have somebody to nominate, all I ask is... For their name, what type of work do they do in healthcare? What state okay. do they work in? And a way that I can show them some gratitude. So, way that they can. So, if they have their Venmo, you you'll send yeah, it to them. Yeah, Venmo or PayPal or whatever. Just some way that we can show it forward. And okay. actually, I didn't mention this. Our little campaign got a little appreciation from Venmo themselves. They actually donated twenty dollars to me randomly. They said, "Thanks for giving. Here's a little bit more." So. That's awesome. All right, let's keep yeah. keep it paying it forward. I'll throw I'll throw down a few and I'll ask everybody to think of a nurse that they know and yeah. see if we can buy them a cup of coffee. So awesome. Thank you so much, Steph. Thanks, Alex. So appreciate you. And yeah, I think we all learn so much just from like little human connection. So I can't thank you enough for giving us that perspective. Absolutely. All right. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Hey gang, all right, wow, you made it to the end. 
I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right, see you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Humans.